You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You are so amazing and so personal. And Lord, we want to know you better. And so this morning, as we come to your word, we're not coming for law. We are coming to have you impart some of yourself to us through the word of God. We trust you. And so we totally open our hearts to you and what you would say to us as individuals this morning. And I personally, I just, I just ask for your grace upon this word, for your anointing upon this word direct me in in this teaching this morning, Lord, that I'd bring out your thoughts. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, children, you can go on back to Children's Church, and the rest of you can find a seat. And I'm going to find a seat. All right, let's see. So I don't have any slides for you this morning, so I especially encourage you to get out something to write with and write on. This is one of those I've been thinking on this message for quite some time. Can I do this? Let's see if it stays. Uh, and of course, the last couple weeks, I've had a fair amount of time uh, to sit and meditate on this. And so it's one of those messages, I guess they're all like that, that just keeps developing. Sorry. I, need to, I had sat on this thing in the spring with the stupid broken foot, so I should be used to it. Um, this has been a different year for me, less mobility than normal, but I'm going to be running and jumping here pretty quick. Um, still opening my Bible. So yeah, I've been thinking on this for a while. So I'm starting into a new series this morning and, uh, it, it's got the concise title of stewarding the transformational moments. Stewarding the, stewarding the transformational moments. I tried to write that on a CD and poor Corey had to come and ask, what does this say this morning? So anyway, I want to talk to you about actually what we just experienced during worship was the kind of moment that, that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. It's a moment where the Lord uh, comes personally into our life through his word or during a time of worship or, you know, in your personal time or, or as someone is ministering the word, so many different ways that he has of doing this, where the Lord impacts us in a way that actually changes who we are, transforms us. The example that we just had during worship with that word of knowledge and then our time of prayer was that the Lord wanted to heal people's hearts where they had been run out on and that it produced fear. And, and what he wanted to do there was not just make us feel better for a little while, not just touch us emotionally, 
but change something in our hearts to where that is no longer a part of our life. It's gone from our life. And I'll say this up front, that kind of transformation sometimes happens in an instant. It starts always in an instant. But most of the time, it's a process then. And so the point of this teaching is we need to pay attention to those transformational moments, to those things that God does. We need to not have the attitude that, oh, well, if the Lord did that Sunday morning, then, then it's all done. A lot of times there's a process that goes on in our hearts where he needs to deal with a number of things, a number of roots or a number of things that have kind of grown out of that in your life. And, and he will, if, if we steward that moment well, in other words, if we value it and we keep it and we keep what God is doing and we, we continue to seek him in that area, he will complete that transformation. But often we have the attitude that, well, if God's doing it, then it's always done in an instant and we just kind of leave it behind. Or we allow, uh, you know, we, we get outside and we get mad at somebody and, and we just allow that moment to be stolen from us. We don't steward it. We don't carry it so that, it, so that he can bring it to completion. And this, I feel like in some ways, I teach on the same thing all the time. I... I tend to teach on foundational ideas from the scripture. In fact, I've had, I've had people, you know, over the years, I've had some people that weren't happy with that and they'd approach me and they'd say, oh, brother. You know, they always have that kind of, they always have that tone, oh, brother. You know, their cheeks kind of shake. You're not teaching the deep things of God. We need to get into the deep things of God. And I'm always thinking, I don't say it, but I'm always thinking, yeah, it's getting deep, you know. But, but they're, they're generally talking about, uh, you know, um, apocalyptic scriptures, find the most unknowable scripture about the, the end times or something, and, and we need to focus on that. We need to know, you know, this and that. And I'm not called to do that. I'm called to build foundations in people. I can't get past the ideas that Jesus Christ went to the cross for us, died, not only so that we could spend eternity with God, with him, which is certainly a big deal, but, but then he sent his spirit to us to do this process that the Bible calls transformation in our hearts, where we move through those transformational moments. If you're following Jesus, and maybe we need to talk about that a little. It's one reason I didn't do slides, because I want to be free to go wherever I want to go this morning. If we're following Jesus, then we are, he's going to lead us through this series of encounters with himself, again, through his word, through worship, through intimacy, through the presence, through all of these different things. He's going to lead us through the series of encounters where we are literally changed from the person we were before we knew him into the person he actually created us to be. Or, 
or we're going to at least be a lot more like that person. We're probably not going to be complete. I mean, the scripture tells us that process won't be complete until we see him face to face. But that is the Christian life. That process is the Christian life. Transformation, not just coping with life, not just getting a better set of rules to live by, not just getting, uh, not just trying to be a better person, seeing who Jesus is, and in my own strength, I'm going to try to be like him. That's, that's honestly not what we're supposed to do. We're also not supposed to not want to be like him, all right? But there is a greater process that the Spirit of God works in us every single day of our lives that we give, himself, give ourselves to him. And it will absolutely change. We become a different person. So that as our behavior changes, it changes honestly. We're not faking it. We're not pretending to be something that we're not. Well, there's so many ways that I could go right now. Boyd talked this morning about law, okay? What law does, and the scripture tells us this, and, and part of what I'm bringing to you today, let me, let me just throw a couple things out there. It honestly breaks my heart to see so many believers living their life just in, their, in self-restraint and in self-regulation. There's a place, the, the scripture, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-discipline, okay? And we're, we're supposed to have a disciplined mind. There are places for disciplines to build into our life, no question about it. But those disciplines are to help us connect with Him better so that we can experience the transformation that he has for us. When the Bible talks about transformation, and you guys have all heard this, I mean, we teach on this all the time. It's, it uses a word where we get the word metamorphosis, which is that idea of the way we usually use it is of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. I mean, it's an entirely different critter that comes out of the cocoon. It's, entire, it's no longer a worm. It isn't just a worm with nice wings painted on or that wishes it could fly and is trying to fly. It's not a worm anymore. It's a butterfly. It's an entirely different beast. And I'm sure some of you can give me all the scientific details on that, but I, I know that it's true. And it's this process. It goes into this cocoon and it comes out different. That's the word over in Romans chapter 12 that is used when it talks about the transformation that we experience by the renewing of our mind by the word of God and by laying down our lives as a sacrifice unto him. We experience this transformation. I want you to know before you leave here today that God has this process for you, that you, can, you don't have to struggle your whole life with some issue. You don't I'm trying to be, there's some things that, well, I'm just going to say them. It'll probably make some of you mad, but oh well. Um, we, have, we have Christian 12-step programs, okay? They're just like the world's 12-step programs, except uh, they don't say, you know, they'll go ahead and name Jesus Christ in it. They'll go ahead and name who God is, Okay? 
that's good. It's a good step in the right direction. But I've been involved with those, and I've been, as a pastor, I've been, I've been asked to facilitate those and do different things. And, and in the beginning, I, I thought, well, this might be a really good thing. This sounds really, this sounds really good. And so kind of got behind it and, and uh, some of the ones that go on the valley. And, you know, after a couple of years, there was some change in leadership. And I went to some of those meetings. And my question was, because they're saying, well, we've gotten this many people into the program, you know, and people who were addicted and different things into these programs. And my question, and it was an honest question. I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. I just asked, what I want to know is how many people have gotten out of the program? How many people have been changed? I used to, I horribly abused alcohol and drugs. I smoked pot daily from the time I was, well, not daily early on because I couldn't get it, but I would have. But, you know, from, from the age of, sorry, from the age of 12 to whenever I got serious about God, early 20s, um, you know, and, and abused alcohol and took LSD every time I could get my hands on it and, you know, did all that stuff. And I probably, I guess, would have fallen into the category of an alcoholic. But somebody said this to me, somebody in this congregation the other day, I thought it was so good, I'm just going to steal it. I, ma- I, took, I made one step. I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Made Jesus the Lord of my life. And he set me free from all of that. He set me free. And so for me to sit in a group and say, hey, I'm John Clement, I'm an alcoholic, I've been clean for however long that is, 30, probably 40, 30, I don't know. I'll say 30 years and then it'll be like, oh, that was 50 years ago. (laughs) Anyway, that's only about 40. But anyway... That would be a lie because that's not who I am. I do not identify as an alcoholic. I don't struggle with alcohol. I don't struggle with, I don't, I don't drive by the pot shops and go, man, I wish I could go in there and see what the new buds are like, you know? <laughs> there is none of that. There's none of that. None. It's not a temptation. It's not an issue. It's not a part of my life. And all the glory for that goes to Jesus. And it didn't take very long. It took a little while. But I mean, with both of those issues, they were huge in my life. It was less than, I mean, it was less than a year. It was just a short time of him setting me free from that because I made Jesus Lord. And so I'm not that person. And so my problem with some of those things that we have in Christianity today, and again, you think whatever you want, that's fine. You know, sometimes those, situ- those programs or different things can really help somebody get from one place to another. My problem with them is they have no expectation of freedom. They have no expectation. And when I asked that question in that group, they looked at me like I had four heads or like I was, I was just asking What I need to know if I'm going to support this is, are people getting free through this process? Or are they just, is it just about, okay, we'll do this for the rest of our life and we'll we'll cope. You know, it's just a coping mechanism. It's just something where then I'll cope for the rest of my life and, and I won't be drunk. And you know, that's a good step in the right direction. Yeah, it really is. But Jesus has more than that for you and more than that for me. 
And that can be about alcohol or drugs. It can be about sexual addictions. It can be about fear that, that is on your life and drives your life. It can be about you know, fear about your future. Or every time this happens, I lay awake at night and worry and fret. It can be about health issues. It can be about, it's anything that has to do that we've picked up as an identity in our life. And that's why I will not sit in a group. I mean, it's not true, but it makes me mad anyway to have Christians sitting in a group. It's fine if we're going to sit in a group and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I am born again. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a new creature in him, but I'm struggling in this area. I'm good with that. But to say, I am an addict. I am whatever it is. You need to understand, I'm not criticizing. Please hear me. I'm not criticizing. I'm saying God is more for you than that. What Jesus did at the cross and what he has provided for us goes to identity, not just to behavior. He sets us free. I have a, you want to read the Bible? We should probably do that before I run out of time. Uh, we read this verse, I don't know, several times a month, I think. We read it all the time because I think it's so foundational. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 from the Amplified Bible says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Amplified says, emancipation from bondage, freedom emancipation from bondage, not just coping with your bondage, getting used to your bondage, living with your bondage, freedom, freedom, man. And all of us, all of us believers, as with unveiled face, that's talking about, that's actually talking about getting the the law off, getting the law perspective off so that we can see into grace and see what it is. All of us with unveiled face because we continued, continued, continued to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Remember that word glory means the divine essence, the characteristics that make God who he is. We continue in the word, not just to get rules and regulations and sets of things to try and do, but to behold the glory of God. We're looking into that continually. Because of that, we are constantly being transfigured. That's the same word that's used of, of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, where he was glowing with the glory of God, where the heavens opened and the disciples saw him in, in who he really is. It's the same word. We are constantly being transfigured into his very own image. I said to you a few minutes ago that he takes us from being the person we used to be to being the person he created us to be. Well, that person looks like him. That person looks like him. We are, we are transformed into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor. And get it, from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this is a work of the Holy Spirit, an ongoing work in our lives. And it says we're, we're called there. Our call is from one degree of glory to another. That doesn't mean one degree of fame to another. It means one degree of carrying and manifesting who God is, the glory of God, the divine essence, 
his nature, his characteristics, carrying those, and those being manifested to our life, we go from one degree to another degree to another degree to another degree. He doesn't call us backwards. He doesn't call us to stay the same. He has provided for us in our salvation this, this transformation, this amazing transformation. You don't have to be who you are today. And I don't, and this, this is something we talk about all the time. Two things. We are determined to continually throughout our lives, as we, you know, approach middle age, throughout our lives, we want to continue to know him more. We will continue to know him more. And we will continue to change. We will not stay the same. Because anything that's alive grows, and anything that grows changes. This is just life from God changes us. It transforms us. So we are determined. We will not just stay the same. We will not get in a rut. We will keep growing with the Lord. And so that's, that's our call. And too many believers are settling for self-regulation by doctrine. I'm just going to try and I know this is not pleasing to you, God, so I'm just going to try and fix it. Now, having said that, I do believe, and I've taught for years, that there are, there are times in our life when the Lord, one of those transformational moments, the Lord reveals something to us that needs to, sometimes we look into that word and we, it's looking into a mirror, we see us, and it's like, ooh, that's not so good. And we know it needs to change, and we know he wants to change it so that when we look into the mirror, we're seeing him in that place that used to look like us. You know what I'm saying? And so there is a place there for self-discipline. There is a place there to say no to sin, okay? To, to, I call it boot camp. Sometimes I have to put myself in boot camp, but I never intend to stay in boot camp forever. I never intend, see, Boyd said it, Boyd said it all. I never, I, I will allow that approach of self-regulation to be that schoolmaster and that schoolmaster actually there in Galatians chapter 3 was, I always thought it was, you know, like the principal of the school. It was the guy that took the kids to school to keep them safe. It was the guy that walked with them. And, and so I'll let that regulation walk me into grace. But I know that at the end, what I'm seeking is total freedom and total transformation, that this is no longer an issue in my life, if it takes the rest of my life. I'm going to go from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next on that issue, okay? Again, none of us are perfect, but this is the process. This is the Christian life. So don't settle for self-regulation. Don't settle for these limited solutions to sin or, or to things that are displeasing to God. Sometimes it's not something we would maybe label as sin, but it's something that we should be living to be pleasing to God. I think that's such a great point in the scripture, that live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And sometimes we have to ask, God, what, what would please you the most in this situation? Who do you want me to be in this situation? But again, as we, you know, as we follow uh, Jesus, he's going to lead us through these um, processes. I've been in a discussion, or I was in a discussion, I gave up, um, online with a guy that I've known for many, many years. And he, he used to live here. He lives elsewhere now. 
And he, you know, he's struggled with a lot of stuff. He's had a hard, he's had a hard life. He's had a lot of stuff in his life, no question. But he's, I don't know through what all, through hurts, through failures, through different things. He has moved to the place where he believes with all his heart that teaching about the grace of God empowers the church to sin, that there is sin in the church because we teach about the grace of God, and that the real answer to sin is law. It's regulation. He's very open about it. And I started to discuss, because to me, what does that mean? Well, that means you're not understanding grace. Because first of all, if that were true, then the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who teaches on grace continually, was, was one of the biggest culprits in you know, leading us all into sin. But the Bible is very clear that this term grace, it, it means unmerited favor. And, and so we have this unmerited love and favor and acceptance from God as if we've made Jesus Lord of our life. It's true, we do. And, the, and what that does is open the door to relationship and intimacy that can, that can provide transformation. And so grace is the door. The scripture's clear in Romans that what law does is it actually incites, it, it awakens the, the sin nature on the inside of us. Think about it. Every time there's a law written, every time we, we and I, I mean, I'll just say me, probably none of you in this room, we go by a, a sign that says 55 miles an hour going up a road that would be safe to do at 75 miles an hour. So anyway, we go by uh, a sign that says 55 miles an hour. Well, we're thinking, so what can I do? 60, 62 without getting stopped. We immediately, again, maybe this is just me, but human nature is that we try to, okay, what, what can I get away with and not break this law or not really breaking the law? Yeah, at 55.1, I'm breaking the law. That's the other thing about law, by the way, in case you're wondering. Old Testament, the law, you break one point, you were considered guilty of the whole thing. It was there to lead us to Christ. It was there to lead us to say, Lord, we need a savior. We cannot do this. That's what it was there for. Anyway, we try to figure out, okay, here's the tax law. How can I get around that? How can I, how, how can I get around that? Here's the speed limit. How can I get around that? What can I do? Should I get a radar detector? I was really tempted a while back to get a radar detector. I'm not even, I don't consider, I'm not a huge speeder. I think people drive way too fast. I really do. It's just that there are a couple of vehicles. There's the one car that we have and the, and one of, one only of the motorcycles that I have that you'll look down and you're going way faster than you thought you were. I mean, I wasn't trying to, I'm not a speed freak, but, but all of a sudden you look down, it's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was going that fast. So we were coming back from Albuquerque when we'd first gotten that. It's a BMW car that we got from a guy here in town, got an incredible, unbelievable deal on it. We were coming back from Albuquerque, coming up towards Santa Fe on I-25. The traffic is going 
you know, really fast. I dozed off. I was not driving. My wife was driving. But you can't tell in that car. You just can't tell. You have to use the, the uh, cruise control to keep from going too fast. It just doesn't feel, compared to all of our Subarus and everything we've ever had, you can tell when you pass about 70, it's like, but with this thing, so all of a sudden I feel her let off the gas. I was dozing already and I feel her let off the gas. I said, what, you know, what happened? She says, this traffic is going 90 miles an hour. I said, how fast were you going? She says, 90. <laughs> And she had no idea. But I mean, so at one point, I was, I was actually thinking about getting a radar detector. And it's like, no, that's sin, you idiot. Don't give in to that. Learn how to drive the speed limit or pretty close to it. So my point, I'm sorry, am I losing my point? My point is... We try to evade law. Law doesn't, it doesn't work. This is why they, they write a law. Then they have to write 600 more laws to explain that law. This is how law works against human nature. Grace, turn over to Titus with me. This is why I didn't do any slides today because I knew it was going to be like this. I shared this scripture with this guy online because to me, this just makes it, Titus chapter 2, it makes it so unbelievably clear what grace is and what it does. So it is the unmerited favor, right? But that unmerited favor makes us, let's say it this way today, it makes us confident to approach God. Because I don't have to earn it. If I had to earn his favor every day, if I had to be good enough to come before God with my head up, I could never do that. And you probably couldn't either. But as it is, the New Testament says, it uses a word to describe our worship that is to kiss toward. It's a face-to-face -face relationship because Jesus has eliminated shame and empowered us through grace to come to him. So here's, and then the, and the second part of grace, okay? The, de, the definition of the word grace. It's the divine influence upon the heart. It's unmerited favor and divine influence on the heart. You cannot permanently change a person's behavior until you can change their hearts. That's why our prisons are so overloaded. Because we, you can't, that's why the, what is the word, recidivism? Is that right? People go back in over and over and over. Not being critical, I'm just saying. It's because until the heart is changed, your behavior is not going to change permanently. You, you can do what you can in self-regulation, but don't stop there. Don't think that's going to fix it for you because it won't. But this verse, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, the, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live, I love this, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace empowers us. It's divine influence on the heart. It actually is the power of God 
to live, it uses the term self-controlled. That idea is not that, it's not that I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. It's now the control is coming from the heart. The, the, I don't want to go out and get blasted anymore. I don't want to do these things anymore. I, I love people that I would have been disdainful of in my youth. I, I uh, have compassion for people that I might have been put off with at an earlier immature time in my life. All those things are God. They're real. They're not me trying to be a good Christian. I've been transformed and I'm still in the process. I'm, I, I, I don't think I'm going to make it to, you know, in the time I have left to where he was hoping I would get, but I'm changing, okay? I'm, I'm pressing into him. So this verse, I mean, I, I presented this verse to this person who was saying, no, law is the only, uh, you know, solution to sin and grace just empowers sin. That's a lie. It's a, well, what it is, a total misunderstanding of what the grace of God is. So we need to be on that place of understanding. No, the spirit of God brings freedom to us. So let's look at how much time do I have left? Ooh, four minutes. Let me just, uh, so, so my point in all of this is God brings, as we follow Jesus, I'm not going to get to key number one. We'll get there next week. As we follow Jesus, and let me just talk about that for a second. That is the difference. It's like I said, this guy and I were talking last week, and, and he said, I made, one, I made one step. I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I let him have his way in my heart. I let him begin to speak in my life and take my life and do whatever he wanted to do with it, change me into the person he wanted me to be. I let him do that. That's making him Lord. Okay, it's one thing to make him savior and say, man, am I glad I'm going to heaven. It's a totally different thing to give your life to him and make him Lord. And that's just a decision of submission that you have to make and probably make or express, let's say express on a daily basis to him. Keep it in mind. Keep it in your heart. Keep it in your life. Don't let little doors close to where Jesus is Lord of all these rooms, but he's not getting into that one. You know what? That's the one he's going to be knocking at next. And, and, you know, turn this stuff over to him. Let him do his thing and he will set you free. He will, he will change you. You don't have to live in self-regulation. But in that, our responsibility, okay, I think is to steward each of those moments well. When he speaks to your heart, do something. Write it down. Speak it again to yourself. Carry it around with you. Carry it like a treasure. Put it somewhere safe. Put it in your heart. Don't let the devil steal it. When he comes to you in a moment in, in worship time and, and his presence, sometimes we, we, it isn't words. It's, it's his presence brings something up in us and changes something in us. Value that. Treasure that. Carry that forward. Steward it. Take good care of it. Manage it. Bring it back before him. That's our responsibility in this process. If we just blow through those and we ignore those things, we won't experience much change. We'll have lots of neat little encounters with God because he's faithful, but we won't experience much change. As to following Jesus, I'll just let it go at this today. As to following Jesus, one of the examples of that I was thinking about was all through our married life. I, I have this conversation a lot with married couples who are having a tough time agreeing about something. 
in their lives. And a lot of times one or the other will feel like, and it's usually the man, will feel like I should be in charge. Uh, They misunderstand the role that God has given them in partnering with their wife. I should be in charge. I think this is what we should do. She should just submit. Pastor, tell her to submit. Well, they came to the wrong pastor. (laughs) I'll tell you that. They came to the wrong place. I believe God's called us as partners. And now, now, I'll preface what I'm saying here. If you're married to someone who is not following the Lord, that's a tough situation. And we want to stand with you and pray with you. That's a tough situation. You need to follow God. God's first, okay? But aside from that, we've always decided that on any medium to big decision, just about anything, honestly, uh, not what to have for dinner tonight, but, you know, medium to big decision, something that's going to affect us and affect our future and our finances and our household and the church, of course. We are, if we are not in agreement, then our understanding is we are both following Jesus. So one or probably both of us is wrong because otherwise we'd be in agreement because Jesus is Lord, Jesus is leading, And so we need to pray this through farther and we will not make a decision or spend the money or, you know, do something like that, change jobs or do something like that until we are in agreement. And that's just mutual respect. I respect Karen's walk with God and hearing from the Lord. She hears from the Lord and she hears differently than I do, which is a real blessing. And there are certain gifts and graces she has that I don't have. And it it's complimentary, but we've stood in that all of our lives. And so, I mean, I can't think that it's, I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think, but it's because we made that decision right away. We came into it with that understanding that two people are following Jesus. We don't see something the same way. And again, I'm talking about, you know, kind of major decisions and something where you can't just say, well, we'll just agree to disagree. It's all fine. We're both okay with that. You know, something like that. If we're not in agreement, then our prayers are hindered. We can't pray in agreement if we're not in agreement. Our prayers are hindered. We're, we're wrong. It's almost always her, but not always. Sometimes, <laughs> no, but, but, it's, but seriously, we've just taken that attitude. We won't make the decision. We're not taking the step until we're in agreement. To me, that's if I'm following Jesus, then there's a path. The thing he's saying to me today make sense with the things he said in the past. Um, Gosh, there's stories I could tell, but I know I'm out of time. You know, situations that came up where we had opportunities, but the Lord had already told us we're going here, not there. So opportunities will crop up. And it's like, ooh, that looks really good. We're not going there. God already said to go this way. So you just don't, I don't don't struggle. We didn't lose any sleep. We didn't, it was like, oh, sorry, we can't come pastor that church. God already told us to go to Gunnison, you know. And, and so I'm just trying to, am I making any sense? Following Jesus, you'll come to these encounters that it's a pathway where he brings transformation. Line upon line, precept upon precept, word after word, encounter after encounter. And so we'll talk about how we set ourselves up for that, first of all. How we set ourselves up, we live our lives in a way that encourages or puts us in a position to come to those encounters with the Lord. And then what do we do with them? How do we steward them? What do we do with them? And so that's what we're going to talk about. Thank you for being patient this morning. I really needed to get that out. I've been sitting a lot for the last couple of weeks. So.
All right, let's stand up and pray together. Did you get anything out of this? Oops. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, you are a good, good Father. You are incredible, Lord, and you do have a great plan for every one of our lives. And that's not a self-aggrandizing statement. It's just the truth. You're an amazing Father. And like every other Father, you have the best for your kids. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to your will for our lives, Lord. I pray that every heart in this place would be yielded to your direction for the life, Lord. And we stand in that place of grace and favor. We, we welcome it, not on our own merit. None of it's on our own merit. It's because of what Jesus did. And because of that, Lord, we can welcome that place of grace and favor. And Lord, we do, and we welcome the divine influence on our hearts. We welcome your, those transformative moments. And Lord, I'm asking you individually now, show us how to steward the things that you have given us and said to us and the places that you've led us. Show us how, Lord, not to leave things behind or set them aside, Father, but to hold on, to treasure up in our hearts the words that you've given us. Father, I thank you for that, and I pray that over these coming weeks, you just train us in this. Lord, just train us in this and help us, Lord, to, to continue to move forward in you and become the people you desire for us to be and to impact this world with the glory of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one thing I forgot to announce earlier is that on the 17th, that's next Sunday, isn't it? Uh, at 6 p.m., we'll have uh, there will be a Remedy Worship Night. Great time to have transformative encounters with God. Remedy Worship Night, 6 p.m. here. Okay. All right. What? Posters. Oh, yes. We have posters about Remedy. And they are out on the back table. I know you told me this earlier. Uh, they're out on the back table. And so if people could take them, put them up, especially some of you guys, if you could take some of them and put them up to college, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, but otherwise, if there are places around town you want to put them there on the back table. Okay. All right, you ready to go be the church? Okay, on the count of three, we'll say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.